New song students, how you feeling? Come on, let's go. I'm so excited uh, to be here. Uh, man, they, to- they told me, man, you- we don't need to introduce you. They already know you, and I feel like I already know you guys. And I'm just excited uh, and honored just to be with you all tonight. And uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Josh, and uh, my wife and I, Annabelle, are here. Yeah, that's my wife over here. Raise your hand. We are a family of two, but expecting a family, well, I guess we're a family of three. You got a baby right now. So uh, she'll be having that in October. Yeah, I know. I know. We got married last September, and we just said, uh, so yeah, be praying for us, for real. But uh, for those of you uh, that don't know me uh, as well, I get the wonderful opportunity of being a local student pastor in Oklahoma City at a church called South Point. Uh, and our youth groups, United Youth, and I get to oversee a network called United OKC that started back in 2020. And uh, But I just want to let you know, first and foremost, that you guys have such uh, an amazing youth group, meaning this, that not many uh, groups can have a posture of worship <laughs> for that long of time and be willing to go deeper Uh, like you guys just did just a few moments ago. And I believe that heart and that posture has been cultivated by your wonderful youth pastor, uh, Jackson. And so, yeah, yeah. Jackson's my homie. Love that dude. We get to share what God's been doing in our hearts uh, quite frequently, at least getting coffee once every once a month or at least once every two months. And uh, it's cool. And I love having him as a friend and and getting to hear about what God's doing within your youth ministry and what he's doing within you individually. And so tonight, I just want to jump into uh, the word. And I love the theme of camp this year, Maranatha, come, O Lord. This cry of hunger and desperation really positions us to experience an encounter with the Lord. And I want to look at a passage tonight. And if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, because there is no service at this, like literally I I get no service here. So hopefully you have your physical Bible. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter one, verse four, Ephesians chapter one, verse four. I want to look at verse four and verse five. And this is going to really help uh, provide a framework for where we're going to be going tonight. Ephesians Chapter one, verse four, this is gonna be in the New Testament. It's gonna be later on in the New Testament, one of Paul's letters to the church of Ephesus. If you're there, say yeah. Yeah. Come on, say yeah. yeah. There we go. Come on, let us read. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In his love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance to his pleasure and will. Let's go ahead and pray tonight. Lord, our hearts are still, our minds are still, and we're ready to hear you speak tonight. 
Lord, we believe that you've already been speaking through the different avenues of, of worship and everything through, through what they have experienced today. But Lord, as we go into your word and read about the truths of who you are and your calling for our lives, Lord, I'm praying that hearts would be open. That Lord, you're never going to just force yourself on us. So I'm praying just for students in the room and maybe even leaders in the room that they would just open the door to their hearts, Lord, and be ready to hear whatever you want to speak to them tonight. So Lord, would you speak tonight? Lord, I know there's nothing special about me. I'm just communicating your word and I'm praying that it's your word that pierces through every single one of our hearts, Lord. Would you be with us tonight? In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Uh, let me guys, let me ask you this question. Uh, how many of you have some people that you just love hanging out with them and their families, right? Like you have some friends and like, how many of you, like you spend the night at their house, right? Like we have some of those people. And um, for me in particular, I had a friend named Brandon. And I loved going to Brandon's house, whether it was just hanging out or whether it was spending the night. And let me tell you why. It's because when I would go to Brandon's house, man, it's not that I just have a relationship with Brandon, right? A friendship and brotherhood. But I get to meet his family, his mom and his dad. And I walk into the house. You know what the first thing they ask me? Can we get anything for you? And I'm like, wow. This is a luxury treatment. Like if I'm sitting on the couch, you know, me and Brandon are just hanging out. It's like, hey, do you guys want any food? I'm like, sure. Like you already, how many of you know, food's, who's, who's love, love language is food, right? Yeah, see, and, and not only are they asking me what food I want, but when I tell them that I want, yeah, Takis, they go get it for me and bring it back where I don't have to get up. Y'all know what I'm saying? Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. You, when you say it out loud, you start feeling bad. You really do, right? right? And especially when you, like, uh, when you go to a restaurant with someone else's family, and they're like, hey, just get what you want. Get what you want. And you're like, anything? Anything. And I, I mean, I'm telling you what, like, you know, and, you know, most of us don't exercise our humility near enough. And so we're going for the 20, 30, $40 items that are on the menu and we're at Chili's. Right. And so we could have got a three for 10, but we decided to get, you know, whatever. And I remember I just was like, I like this. I like hanging out with Brandon's family. His family's cool. They treat me like royalty. Right. Now, on the flip side, when you go to my household, Mom, I'm hungry. What do you want to eat? Takis. You know where they're at. Oh, you ain't going to get it for me, Mom. Right? Or maybe like when we go out to the restaurant. All right, we're at, we're, we're at the restaurant. And instead of me getting to choose whatever I want, hey, stay under $13. $13. doesn't count. All right? So technically it's $11.99. That's your... That's your your max, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Like you go to your friend's house. I'm the king over here. They do whatever. Like they, they're always asking me what I want and they give it to me. 
You go back to your house, you can get it yourself. Now, there's a budget for this. And you're like, bro, I like it over there at Brandon's house, right? You know, for a good chunk of my teenage years, I would sometimes think that it would be better if I was a part of Brandon's family than my own. Just how I was treated, how I felt. And you, you see, being a part of his family was nice because they catered to my wants and my preferences. Can I tell you one of the things that I see within Christians is an attempt to belong with different groups in the world that bring about this promise of this family type feeling attached. But really it's just because they're catering to our wants and our preferences. And as a result, followers of Jesus are being molded by ideologies within our culture in efforts to belong without realizing that if you repented of your sins, surrendered to Jesus and professed him as your Lord and Savior of your life, then you already belong to a family. And that family outlives any other family that you can be a part of, whether it's your football team, whether it's your softball team, your, your band. Uh, is it a band team? What do you even call that? I don't even know. That didn't even sound right when I said it. Wasn't a band guy. <laughs> just whether it's your band, it just doesn't flow right. Anyways, <laughs> right? But you're a part of an eternal family. And I want to quickly recap Ephesians 1. Verse 4, and I want to, what's called, just exegete this passage just to provide a framework uh, for us of where we're heading tonight. And I want to look at what Paul is communicating to the church of Ephesus to give some context to the family that we are a part of. So first he starts off, we are chosen. We are chosen. Let me encourage you, God chose you before you chose him. God chose you before you chose him. You think you just got excited about the Lord last year? Man, he's been excited about you before you were even born. See, we are called, Paul says, we are called to be holy. What is holy? To be set apart, to be a different. We're a part of a different type of family. Predestined, God's plan for us to be in the family was to be in the family all along. That was part of his plan all along, that you and I would be a part of his family. Sonship, important thing to know about this culturally. I think you hear sonship and it's like, all right, what is this? Is there daughtership? You know, like, what is this? No, sonship is just a reference within the culture and meaning inheritance, right? So we are to receive the full inheritance of being a part of God's family as we are adopted in to his family. And then he wraps up with, this brings the Lord joy. And we read in verse five, that is in accordance with his pleasure and will. It brings the Lord joy when we are a part of his family. Uh, the title of my message tonight is you're a part of a family. You're a part of a family. And my hope tonight is that you would discover that there is a great joy in the family of God that you are a part of and that you can be a part of if you are not already. And I want to unpack this question of how can I maximize being a part of the family of God? How can I maximize being a part of the family of God? And I just want to give you two thoughts tonight to help encourage you and to help uh, just kind of get you going in the right direction. And the first thought is this, 
How you view the family of God will determine how you live in it. How you view the family of God will determine how you live in it. How many of you, you, uh, easy one, who goes to school? Boom, easy, easy participation. Here we go. How many of you are, you're like, Josh, I am literally, my eyes are glued to the clock at school, right? You're like, you're counting down until the next class to ultimately get to the place where it's like, whatever time it is, 3.30, 4 o'clock, where you can just say, all right, it's time to go home, right? Like, that was me. I'm like, man, this sucker, I, I, I don't want to be at school. Like, I got to be here eight hours a day, five days a week. I spend more time at school than I do at my own house, right? That, sometimes that is a reality, right? And, and, and I, I just remember I would just be staring at that clock. Lord, get me out of here, please, please, today sometime, Right. And I viewed school as a prison. Right. Some of us, we were like, this is prison sentence. All right. How many more years I got left? I viewed school as a prison and not an environment to learn. However, the flip side of this, there's kids and adults in other countries who are craving to be educated and view school as a palace instead of a prison. See, growing up. I didn't truly value my family. I was like, man, I am with these people. I have an 18-year prison sentence. Get me out, right? And most of us, like, our family life ain't that bad, right? Like, we just get mad at our mom because she ain't getting us talkies when we ask for it, right? But I, I remember thinking about my family in that way where it was a prison sentence instead of viewing my family that God has given me in my life to love and be loved by. Because can I tell you, on the flip side, there are plenty of people in this world that wish they had parents that were in the picture. How I view my current reality will determine how I live in it. How I view my current reality will determine how I live in it. Jesus helps even expand further on this point. Uh, It is found, and you can turn your Bibles, hold Ephesians 1, but go to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to get a parable from Jesus, and this parable is labeled the prodigal son, and Jesus uses parables to give us lessons of who, more of his character and uh, how he has called us to live. And, and I want to pick up at verse 22, and I want to give you kind of a recap uh, before we get to the verse that we're getting to. So the prodigal son, it, it starts off, this father has two sons. Everybody say two sons. He has, a, he has two sons, and the younger son is like, hey, I'm ready to go, Dad. I'm ready to go. Give me my inheritance so I can leave. The father gives him his inheritance and he leaves. And we read throughout this parable that Jesus is giving, this illustration that the son goes and he squanders everything, loses everything. And around during that time, there is a famine that has hit the, 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 the country. And as a result... He is he, the son who was living well, who had left, squandered his inheritance, has now found himself with the pigs. Eating food that you and I would be like, bruh, please, no way. But he remembers that, man, even his father's servants experience a better life than he was experiencing. And so he runs back home, or he goes back home, and his father sees him, from, sees him from a distance, and he goes and greets him with a kiss. And this is where we pick up in verse 22. 
But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fat and calf and kill it. Let us, let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. All right, we get this family reunion. He went away, he's back. Everybody's excited. How many sons did the father have? Two. So we just saw what happened with the younger brother. Squandered his inheritance, recognized that it was better to be at his father's house than to be away from his father's house. His father greets him. And they, we see this celebration. This guy gets a new robe. He gets new sandals. Like, how many of you guys, that would be a great celebration to come back to. It's like, man, you get like, you know, an off-white fit, right? You get new shoes. Like, man, that's the best day ever. Like, I'll leave home and come back more often, right? Uh, no, but we're about to see the second son's reaction, the older one. And we pick up in verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. When he came, yeah, 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 y'all forget, I'm animated, y'all, come on. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered to his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you, you are always with me and everything I have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad and we just get a recap of verse 25 because this brother of yours was dead and now is alive again he was lost and now he is found here's some contextual things we need to understand about why Jesus is sharing this parable we can grab from the text and just the context that Jesus is referencing the older brother to be the Pharisees the religious leaders the teachers of the law, but yet they fail to understand God's love, right? The teachers of the law. We always, we, we read the scriptures and we see the Pharisees are triggered at everything Jesus does. Healing on the Sabbath, associating with people who were sick, right? And it's causing this just friction within, with what they believe versus what Jesus is telling them he is here to do. And as I read this, I can find myself being like the older brother. Because it was in, in uh, Luke 15, earlier in the verses, we get the, where the shepherd leaves the 99 for the one. Y'all know the song, the reckless love. Leaves the 99. Okay, y'all gonna leave me hanging? That's cool. All right. See, that was cool to sing when I was the one. But what happens when I'm just part of the 99? What happens when it's not necessarily a shepherd that's coming to find me, but I'm already part of the pack? You start to feel a little less special. You start to envy the celebration that everybody else is experiencing when they're the one that comes back home. Is it just me? See, 
I would say many of us in this room at some point have found ourselves discontent within the family of God. You know, I look at the older brother's emotions in this parable. See, the brother has equated, we see in the passage, his time at being in his father's house as a time of slavery. This is what? His what? Son, the father's son, right? And yet he gives this big statement that I have never disobeyed you. And I have been like, it has been like slavery living here. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's not a servant. He's one of the sons. See, when we take for granted the family of God that we are a part of, it leads to us feeling entitled. It leads to us feeling angry. It leads to us feeling dissatisfied. And it leads to us feeling discontent. But check what the father says. He reminds his son in verse 31 that he has had access the whole time. The ring that the father put on the younger son's finger, he had access to. The robe that the father put on the younger son uh, when he came back home, he had access to. The calf that he fed everyone to celebrate when the younger son came home, he had access to the whole time. Can I remind you, students, that you have access to everything in the Father's house. You have access to everything in the Father's house. And this is important for us to know because sometimes it's upon salvation. We walk in the door and it's like we get celebrated and it's like, all right, <laughs> what's next? And it leaves us feeling frustrated that and, and instead of a place that should be, feel like a home it starts feeling like a prison because when we came in the first time it was like woo party like you've probably heard it some pastor at one point said whenever when somebody gives their lives to Jesus the angels are rejoicing okay that's great I gave my life to Jesus what else is next what can I be rejoicing about in Romans 8, 11, it's important for us to be reminded, Paul writes to the church of Rome, that the same spirit that dwells in Christ Jesus dwells in you. The same spirit that Jesus had is in you. So this is a supporting statement to understand that you have access to the Father's house because the spirit that was in Jesus that raised him up from the dead lives in who? See, when we don't fully understand the benefits of being in the family, we will become discontent and in search for a new family. And here's the danger in that. From our discontentment, we start using that feeling to justify sin and find a new family that will accept and cater to our wants and preferences. And we need to be reminded in Romans 8, 15, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves. We remember passages that were no longer slaves to sin, right? The gospel is not to make you a slave. But yet we read the older son has viewed his time in the father's house as a time of him being under bondage. But that's not the case because we continue reading in Romans 8, 15. 
So the spirit you received does not, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. See, you can view the family of God as a prison or you can view it as a palace. You can view it as a covering or you can view it as a barrier. But however you view it, it will determine how you live in it. Can I tell you, Jesus did not die on the cross for you so that you may become slaves to him, but instead he died on the cross for you so that you can become children of God and recognize him as your heavenly father. Hence Romans 8.15, we cry, Abba, Father. So can I encourage you tonight, New Song students, for some of you that maybe have felt discontent in the house to not act like an orphan that doesn't have a home. But act like sons and daughters of God, knowing that not only do you have a home, but you have access to everything within the home. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's peace that surpasses all understanding within the house of the Lord. There's love that's unconditional within the house of the Lord, within the family of God. Everything that you would ever need is within the family of God. It's within his house. So practically, how can I play this out? What does this look like? I want to give you a prayer that maybe you could start praying to get you along the way and along the journey. And this prayer is this. God, let me experience the fullness of being a part of your family. Help me relax in my eternal family and help me experience the fullness of my inheritance as a son and daughter of God. I want to encourage you live from a place of knowing that the Lord still sees you. He still hears you and he still loves you even now as you are a part of the 99. Can I tell you, sometimes we don't know what to do, what to celebrate after salvation and baptism, right? Most of you salvation, you filled out some type of connection card, maybe at your church or you told your leader. Okay, we moved you on to baptism, right? That's the next step. Right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Boom. Follow Jesus. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Boom. Next part. Teaching them. This is Matthew 28. Teaching them to obey the commands that I have given you. Okay. The first two parts are really easy to celebrate. Third part is kind of like, uh, what? What? Everybody was clapping at my baptism. There was parties thrown. I got cake. Yeah, yeah. If you got cake at baptism, that would be pretty dope. Jackson, y'all do that? I'm about to start doing that just so I can have a piece of cake. But anyway, see, the reality is that if you're part of the family of God, guess what? You have a reason to celebrate every day because you recognize who Jesus is. You recognize that, you recognize that you're not an orphan anymore, but you're adopted. And your adoption came at a price through what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. And so now... I'm a son, ladies, you're a daughter of the king. How you view the family of God will determine how you live in it. Come on, somebody say you're a part of the family. How can I maximize being a part of the family of God? Second thought is this. Jesus is the one who grants entry to be a part of the family and he is the one who models what it looks like to be a part of the family. Jesus is the one who grants entry to be a part of the family and he's the one who models what it looks like to be a part of 
the family. To really continue on of what I'm sharing with you about, you know, salvations and baptism. It's something I've really just been working with our students on, honestly. Because our students, like we have some students that go to multiple youth camps. And every single year it's rededication, 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 rededication. Not taking away the validity of that for those of you that have rededicated your life to the Lord. But it seems like there is this, there's this kind of cliff of like, I don't know what to do. So all I know how to do is to be like the younger son and just keep coming back home and try to experience this, fam- this, this feeling. But I don't know how to be the older one who never left. And so I've been trying to like, and this is something like Annabelle and I have really been trying to work with our um, students on is understanding that, guess what, you are, they're, they're a part of the family. And we still have to rely on Jesus in being a part of the family. That it's not just salvation, it's, and, and that's great, it's not just rededication, but can I just encourage you, salvation is not your end point. That's not the end. That's not the end, but it is the beginning that is launching you. Right? John 15 reminds us where Jesus communicates uh, this imagery about the vine and the branches. Remain in me and I remain in you, John 15, 4. And going into John 15, 5, uh, if you remain in me and I in you, uh, you're going to be able to do cool things, what Jesus says. But apart from me, you can do nothing. But also at the beginning of that part in John 15, 2, he reminds us that he is, John 15, 1 is, I'm the true living vine and my father is the gardener and he prunes off anything. And so what we experience after salvation and baptism in this process is a pruning period of sanctification so that we can experience what Paul is writing in Ephesians 4 so that we can become holy, which means to be set what? Apart. See, it's not just enjoying the feeling of when you enter the family, but it's finding joy when you're in the family. Colossians 1 verse 15, Paul states the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Students, we must look at Jesus who was fully God and fully man on this earth and submit ourselves to learning from him. Because Jesus holds the title of yes, savior, but he also, also holds the title of teacher. I need to acknowledge Jesus as my teacher because I need to know the culture of the family that I'm a part of. Uh, I'm, I'm, I would like to say I'm like a decent, like, athlete, right? Like, I'm like decent, I'm like average, maybe below average, I don't know. But I, I played soccer, that was my big thing growing up. I played basketball. Uh, and then I remember in seventh grade, and I was trying out for my public school's football team, right? And so I went to all the practices, and, like, I understand the objective of football, but never once had I done like an organized, like been a part of an organized team, right? Where it's like, all right, get on the line, okay? And like all these drills. And I remember, you know, my, and my mindset is, you know, this is just part of the insecurity. It's just, I just don't want to look dumb, right? So I show up and I'm like, I got my water bottle. I got my mouthpiece. I'm like, you know, all right, let's go. And the coaches are saying, hey, go run these X, Y, and Z drills. I'm like, I have no idea what he means. So you know what I did for a good chunk of that summer? I just found someone who knew what they were doing. I found two to three guys, and I just stared at them the whole time. And you know what I did? Wherever they went, I went. 
And what I did was I stood right behind them in the drill so I can watch them do it. I was a quick learner, right? I watched them do it, got it. Boom, and I just started watching them and just started just mimicking what they did in the drills, in the huddles. They would be like, all right, everybody, you know how football players get. It's like, all right, bro, just say one, two, three, break or something. Like, why do you got to go to, it's like, what are we barking at each other? Okay, anyway, anyway, like, and so what did I do? I was, you know, I wasn't like thinking rationally, well, let's just keep our voices here. You know, one, two, three, break, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm joining the huddle. Like, you know, and I'm like trying to just fit in with everyone just so I don't look dumb or out of place. And I would mimic everything they did because I wanted to fully immerse myself in the culture. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus so that we can fully immerse ourselves in the culture of the family of God. How are we going to know how to be a part of the family if we take our eyes off Jesus? We're not going to know what to do. Jesus came here on earth so that we could be saved, yes, but so that we also know how to practice his ways. And if we only just limit Jesus to, all right, the Savior, all right, boom, that's it. We're going to find ourselves getting into that space of discontentment and not knowing what to do when we are part of the family of God and ultimately saying, all right, not what I thought, peace We must keep our eyes on Jesus so we can immerse ourselves in the culture of the family of God. See, when we stop looking at Jesus as our, uh, as our teacher to model the way of kingdom living, we will start to bring the dysfunctions and habits of our past lives or the past family groups that we are a part of into the new family that we are called to be a part of. Right? And this is why Jesus reminds us in John 15 that there's going to be pruning, right? Because there is some pruning that needs to happen of old ideologies that don't match up with your theology. You can't make the two coexist with one another, right? This is important. You know, we look at Mark 1 verse 21. They went to Capernaum and, went the, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Jesus is being recognized as teacher, but not only as teacher, but has a different level of authority than any other person, right? Reason being, fully God. And so there's this different authority that is recorded here in the way Jesus teaches. And this is why, because in John 14, 6, we need to be reminded that he's still the way, the truth, and the what? Jesus is the one that leads us to experiencing salvation, but he's also the one who helps us experience the beauty of being a part of the family of God. Students, can I tell you, you need Jesus as your teacher. It just didn't stop with you raising your hand, accepting him to your heart. No, you accepted him into your heart so that he can get in the driver's seat and guide where your heart needs to go. You didn't, just didn't accept him for the, all right, I'm in the heaven column now. Woo. No, but you accepted Jesus into your life so that you can be led by his spirit into becoming holy, set apart, and to be a part of this different family that's different than any other family that you would experience here on this earth. Why? Because it's an eternal family. So practically, 
What does this look like? Um, you need to be getting discipled, students. You need to be getting discipled. Meaning that you need to find your leaders and you need to be leaning into them so that they can teach you the ways of Jesus as someone who's just a little farther ahead of you in life. And this form of discipleship happens in your weekly gatherings, right? When you open up the scriptures with your brothers and sisters and talk about the teachings of Jesus and learn his ways. Right, this is a form of discipleship. So don't think that your Wednesday nights are just going to waste. No, your Wednesday nights are helping you learn the way of Jesus so that you know how to get around the house and be a part of the family that you are in now. Right? And here's where we, and this is just a side note, here's where we have to be very, very careful when we think about the family of God. See, a lot of times we get caught up with like, all right, God loves me, great. Boom, 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 boom. Yes, he does. But what's being right now perverted within our culture is taking this love and allowing you to live however you want to live. No, there is a standard within the kingdom. And I know we, we don't say it's, it's a relationship, not rules. Yeah, it's not rules. But if you really have a relationship with someone, you want to learn that person so you don't hurt them. It's the same thing when I stepped into marriage with Annabelle. You know, I had to learn different things in the beginning that frustrated Annabelle that I was doing. And so you know what I did? I didn't keep doing it. I changed. Right? And vice versa. Because I don't want to hurt the person that I'm living in a home with. In the same way, when we view this idea of God's love for us, we also need to take into the full weight of what our love for him looks like. Does our love for him transform us? Or does our love for him just allow us to be able to say, all right, great, cool, on with my life, and then feeling discontent when you're a part of this family? Right? Side note. Back to it. You need to read the scriptures for yourself, though. Meaning, so it's not just you trying to obey what your small group leader is saying or what your pastor is telling you what you should do, but you should read your scripture, the scriptures for yourself and learn from Jesus directly. Going back to Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that lives in me, the same spirit that lives in Jackson, the same spirit that lives in Dave and Maddie, your pastors, Josh and Sarah, is the same spirit that lives in you. Now, God has entrusted them to steward over you, but it's not for you to become infants and stay spoon-fed the whole time. No, they're in steward, they're part of them stewarding over you is for you to learn how to do this yourself. I love what you guys are doing in your midday sessions of practicing prayer and stillness. I, I love that because what they're doing is equipping you so that you can follow the ways of Jesus yourself. Yes, you have the moments like Paul say, states, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? You have those people in your life and it's important to be discipled by those people. But you also need to understand that you have direct connection with Jesus. No matter if you're 
a seventh grader in this room or if you're a 12th grader in this room, no matter if you just started following Jesus a couple weeks ago or no matter if you started following Jesus years ago, it doesn't matter. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if you have made him the Lord of your life, repented of your sins and surrendered to him, guess what? Lives in who? Jesus is the one who grants entry to be a part of the family of God and also the one who models what it looks like to be a part of the family. Come on, somebody say, I'm a part of the family. See, I loved hanging with Brandon's family. I loved it, right? It was nice getting treated like a guest. It was nice. But as I matured, I realized that, you know what? My bed was way more comfortable, comfortable than the couch I was sleeping on. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Is there something like, even now, right? You're like, I love Kim. If there's a way to transport my bed next year, though, makes it a little bit easier, right? Anybody with me? Yeah, 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 come on. I, I love all the ladies like, yes, yes, and amen. I would realize that even though I would hang with his family a lot, I wasn't his parents' son, but that God had already gifted me with parents that provided a home where I could flourish in. Can I tell you that you get to be a part of this beautiful family of God? And in this family, you were granted acceptance, not by anything that you could do on your own, but because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. Being a part of this family will provide everything you will ever need. You don't have to go somewhere else, but you have God who knows you, who sees you, who hears you, who knows what you need and has granted you uh, to re- and who has granted you to receive an inheritance that is greater than what this world can ever offer. This is important students. You have enough when you are part of the family of God. And as much as culture and the world is enticing, was saying that, man, but this would be cool if you tried to, what if you did both? That's not how it works. Why? Because if I truly understand the family of God, I know that I have everything I need within the family. And that I don't have to conform to different ideologies of culture. I don't have to conform to the ways of this world. But instead, I can rely on my transformative state as being a son of God. And this is important as we go about life, knowing this truth, that when I'm a part of God's family, I have everything I need. And I have access to everything I will ever need. So Ephesians 1, verse 4, for he chose us. Come on, somebody say he chose us. Before the creation of the world to be holy. Somebody say holy. And blameless in his sight, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. Somebody say sonship. Through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. He chose you to be a part of his family. Students, he chose you. He chose you. You may have thought you have chosen him. Do not give yourself that credit. He chose you. He chose you to be set apart, to be holy, to not look like everything else in this world, but to be separated from this world, to distinguish that you are a part of his family. See, 
It was his original plan that you would experience the inheritance of being a part of his family through what Jesus did. You being a part of the family of God brings a, part, brings a smile upon God's face. Some of us just need to hear that for a moment. That you being a part of the family, guess what? You don't need to strive in this family. Right. Because there's a flip side to this. A lot of times because we don't we, we, we struggle to know what to do in this family. We get to this performance based mentality. Right. Like, OK, I just got okay, I'm going to do what Jesus did, but it's not out of a posture of resting in who he is and letting that be out of the overflow. But striving so that I can feel seen and feel that same celebration that the younger brother felt when he came home. But I feel like the Lord just wants to let some of you know tonight. That guess what? You making that decision however long ago brings a smile to his face. And you just resting and being a part of his family brings a smile to his face. Man, there's so many times in scripture where it is God's heart is for his people just to acknowledge him. Right? The struggle with Israel all throughout the Old Testament is that they fail to acknowledge God. And that when the blessings weren't coming, they stopped acknowledging. But can I tell you, when you just acknowledge him throughout your day, you're bringing a smile to his face. You're partaking in the fullness of your inheritance. Because guess what? A smile on his face is worth everything. And you don't have to wait to receive that from someone that you deem in high authority or respect in high spaces, wherever that may be in your context, but you know that when you acknowledge God and you know that when you're living within his family, you're bringing a smile to his face. You're a part of the family. How I view the family of God will determine how I live in it. I still need to look at Jesus to model what it looks like to be a part of the family. So tonight, New Song students, what's our response to this? What's our response to this? Do you need to relook on how you have viewed God's family? Have you been maybe viewing it as just, you know, somewhere that, all right, I'm not going to hell, great, you know, go live life. Or are you viewing it as a space where you can be fulfilled? Maybe you need to ask yourself this question. Will you find contentment in God's family or will you keep searching to find other fulfillment from the world? Maybe this is you. Will you look to Jesus as your savior, but also as your teacher and follow his ways and practice his ways? And so tonight, what I wanna encourage us to do is for some of you, you need to respond in some capacity. Because as I was talking to Jackson and I was, as I was praying for you these, uh, these past few days and even leading up to uh, a couple months ago when, or a month or so ago when Jackson extended the invite, is that some of you are feeling like the older brother, right? You, you are upset, you are frustrated, and you're feeling this discontentment in your heart. But it comes from this reality that you haven't been taking full advantage of the family in the house that you're a part of. And I believe that the Lord just wants to reveal what it looks like to be a part of this family to you tonight. 
And I know Jackson's going to be, I know you guys have midday practices, which are pivotal in learning how to be within the family. But I want to give you a space tonight to maybe respond. So if we could do this, can we just stand up for me? And here's what I want you to do. I'm going to just give a response and your eyes are going to stay open. And I want, but I want to give you just a way for you to take that first step of obedience. Because maybe when I was talking tonight, you have realized that, man, I've just been skating by. That, man, I have just been truly discontent. And it's led me to finding my identity in other places. It's led me to being a part of different groups and different families that validated my wants and preferences rather than following the Lord who calls me to be holy and set apart. And for you that maybe is in the room, you have struggled to get past this hurdle, right? It's been salvation. Okay, I, I did that. I love the Lord. Okay, I got baptized. I did it. And you've struggled with, okay, where do I go from here, right? You struggle to identify that there's the pruning process, that there's the sanctification process that the Lord wants to do in you so that he can continue to move more through you. And if either of the things I said tonight, here's what I want you to do. And I don't want you to respond to me, but I want you to respond to the Lord. And I want you to just get into a space where you're just still not necessarily using your words in this moment, but we wanna give space for God to speak. Are y'all with me? So I've been filling the space. So if, that, if that's you and you're saying, Josh, I, I'm out of one of those three things, I felt discontent, I felt stuck not knowing where to go. I've had trouble accessing the fullness of the family that I get to be a part of and what that means. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you just to take a step of obedience and respond to what the Lord was doing in your heart by simply coming forward tonight, if that's you. If that's you. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys can face the front. And if you're responding, I just want you to just have your time with the Lord, whether it's just closing your eyes, but I just want you to be still. I just want you to be still. I want you to wait for the Lord to respond to you give him space to speak before you enter into your prayer time. Yeah. And leaders, we're going to give them just a few moments. But after that, if you want to find your students and just pray that God would accelerate what he's doing in their heart and pray a blessing over them, you can do that here in just a few moments. But students right here, let's just be still for a little bit. 